वेलकम एवरीवन टू दिस लाइव पॉडकास्ट ऑन ट्विच वेर यू कैन फाइंड दी न्यूज फ्रॉम द रिसर्च इंडस्ट्री डेट हाउ आर रिसर्चर कीप ऑन रिसर्चिंग ऑन वेरियस टॉपिक्स एंड डोमेन टू कीप आर लाइफ स्टाइल बेटर ऑफ कोर्स एंड दीज आर्टिकल पोस्टेड ऑन अवर वेबसाइट नेम्ड पोस्ट साइंटिस्ट डॉट कॉम सो इफ यूर वेलिंग टू चेक इट आउट प्लीज चेक इट आउट अदरवाइज लिसनिंग टू दिस पॉडकास्ट विल बी इनफ फॉर यू गाइज एज इट्स एक्स लाइक एन आर्काइव ऑन द डेली बेसिस प्रोवाइडिंग यू द इन्फॉर्मेशन फ्रॉम द रिसर्च इंडस्ट्री इट्स so let's get started without wasting any further time the first topic of the day an architecture that gives users fully control of their smartphones in recent years many smartphone users have become concerned about the privacy of their data and the extent to which companies might have access to this data as things stand today the application that user can run on their phone and what they can do with these application is determined by a few big tech companies researcher at eth zurich have recently set out a quest to change this current trend through the development of a new smartphone architecture called twe time this architecture introduced in a paper pre published on arzev allows user to flexibly choose what resources on their smartphone they will dedicate to legacy operating systems such as android or ios and which they wish to keep for their own pro proprietary software and data this work was inspired in part by our experiences in developing swiss contact tracing application where we quickly noticed how limited we are as researcher developers in accessing some basic services on our phones sir sir jan capgun one of the researcher who carried out the study told tech explore these experienced orders that even governments need to negotiate with prominent fo- prominent phone os vendors apple/google to gain specific access such as bluetooth radios this example caused us to look more broadly into restriction we face today on our smartphones which have politically and economic application for citizens companies and governments of course man The lack of user control over resources on a smartphone is typically justified by operating system developers and phone providers as a necessary means to offer security and privacy. Specifically, one might argue that opening smartphone system would endanger user that is increasing the uh, vulnerability to attacks and adversely affect their overall navigation experience. The key objective of the recent work by Godship at L was to show that one could potentially grant user greater control over their phone while retaining existing operating systems with their functionalities and security measures. To do this, the team developed TWE Time, a new smartphone design architecture that architecture that allows different domains running simultaneously to coexist on a smartphone with. TWE time we provide concurrently executing domains that are protected from each other using hardware features incorporated in current CPUs platforms Corship explained user can run several domains on their phone example of fully android ios with all the convenience security that they provide and in a parallel a pro proprietary uh, pro software running in another domain Essentially TWE time as isolates different domains allowing user to decide to the extent to which each of these domain has access to resources on their phone this means that user could for instance run a navigation application in their own isolated domain giving a gps access only to this domain and thus preventing android ios from accessing their gps data The same could also be done with other peripherals such as bluetooth or the phone inbuilt microphone and camera. The introduction of domains has two main advantages in terms of giving user control over their devices. Godship explained. Firstly, it gives user fully control of the privacy of their data. For instance, allowing them to store their photos in a separate domain where the user can make sure that no client side scanning is performed 
Note that in current phone ecosystem, those feature, these features can be silently introduced without the user even noticing or having the possibility to opt out. Of course, man. The second advantage of the TWE time architecture is that it can prevent censorship or increase resistance to it. In other words, if their operating service provider blocks an application or prevents them from installing it, they can still run it in a separate domain. Of course, man. So far, the researcher tested a prototype of this architecture on an ARM emulator, a software tool often used to test operating system and other smartphone software. These initial evaluations were promising as they suggested that TWE time works well and does not impact a system security, which shows that it is indeed possible to run a software that is mutually distrusting on one phone with hardware primitives that already exist, Gorchub explained. We hope this leads this lead to a change in the public perception of the smartphone ecosystem. Usability, security and user control are not mutually exclusive. An important design cho uh, choice for us was to refrain from leveraging hypervisors as we wanted to avoid complex high-privileged software on their phones since this would require again trusting large commercial entities with this with its development and updates. In the future, the architecture developed by this team of researchers could pave the way for the creation of other software solutions that gives users greater control over their smartphone. In the meantime, Gorshev and her colleagues plan to develop TWE time further to overcome limitations that could potentially hinder its large-scale implementation. Our ambition is to develop a fully working phone prototype and through its inspired phone manufacturer to support this design. Gorshev added, we are currently working on a number of remain issues including securing user interaction with our system and investigating changes to hardware that would make our solution simpler to integrate and even more efficient. Okay. Moving on to our next topic. Fossil discovery in storeroom, cupboard, shifts, origin of modern lizard back 35 million years. I mean, uh, if I am talking about the last uh, architecture given by our researchers, I mean, it's a great initiative and many of our users and many of the people are afraid of this thing and try to constantly change uh, and get into those privacy because everyone needs their privacy, not need to publicly open those things. So it's more likely be private to uh, to that person only not not fully expressed by the governments or by the any other organization which he is trying to control it or any other data company which is trying to control those systems so it's more likely important for everyone to use this architecture on their phones whether it's whatever the uh, software really is, it, uh, whether it is a, an iOS or an Android. So, I guess it's totally depend on the company itself. But still, uh, like we all said, for a thief, there is no such security thing. They just need to have access. They need to uh, get done those things. So, it's more likely a fight be, uh, going on between the thief and between uh, between the thief and a company which is constantly uh, trying to overcome those things and that's why many times uh, patches has been uh, delivered by their companies whether it's a windows or an android or an ios so yeah i mean it's a constant process goes on of course man Okay, moving on to our next topic. Fossil discovery in storeroom cupboard shifts origin of modern lizard back 35 million years. Uh, 
a specimen retrieved from a cupboard in the National History Museum in London has shown that modern lizards originated in the late Jurassic and not the Middle Jura- uh, Jurassic as previously thought. Okay, this f- fossilized uh, relative of living lizards such as monitor lizards, gila monsters, and slow worms was identified in a stored ro- in a stored museum collection from the 1950s including specimens from a quarry near Totworth in Gloucestershire, Southwest England. The technology didn't exist then to expose its contemporary features. As a modern type lizard, the new fossil impacts all estimated of the origin of lizards and snakes together called the schemata and affects assumptions about their rates of evolution and even they key uh, trigger for the origin of the group. The team led by Dr. David Whiteside of Bristol School of Earth Sciences have named their incredible discovery Crypto Vernonites Microlanius meaning small butcher small buckchard in tribute to its jaws that were filled with sharp edge slicing teeth. Dr. Whiteside explained, I first spotted this specimen in a cupboard full of Clevosaurus fossils in the uh, storerooms of the National History Museum in London where I am a scientific associate. This was a common inner fossil reptile a close relative of the New Zealand Tara that is the only survivor of the group. The rhino Rhinoslopalia that split from the squamates uh, over 240 million years ago. Our specimen was simply labeled Clevosaurus and one other reptile. As we continue to investigate the specimen, we become more and more convinced that is that it was actually more closely related to modern day lizards than the Tuatara group. We made an X-ray scan of the fossil at the university, and this enabled us to reconstruct the fossil in three dimensions and to see all uh, the tiny bones that were hidden inside the rock. Cryptovernoids is clearly a squamate as it differs from the rhinocephalia in the brain case, the neck vertebrae in the sh- uh, shoulder region, in the presence of a median upper, to- uh, upper tooth in the f- uh, front of the mouth, the way the teeth are set on a shelf in the jaws rather than f- fused to the crest of the jaws and in in the skull architecture such as the lack of lower temporal bar. There is only one major primitive feature not found in modern schemates an opening on one side of the end of the upper arm bone, the humerus where an artery and nerve pass through. Cryptovernoids does have some other apparently primitive characters such as few rows of teeth on the bones of the roof of the mouth but experts have observed the same in the living European glass lizard and many snakes such as bows and pythons have multiple rows of large teeth in the same area. Despite this it is advanced like most lizards living lizards in its brain case and the bone connection in the skull suggest that it was flexible. In terms of significance, our fossil shifts the origin and diversification of skeumates back from the Middle Jurassic to the Late Triassic, says co-author Professor Mike Benton. This was a time of major restructuring of ecosystem on land with origin of new plants group, especially modern type confires as well as a new kinds of insects and some of the first of modern groups such as turtles, crocodilians, dinosaurs and mammals 
adding the old age modern skewers then completes the picture it seems uh, these new plants and animals came on their scene as part of a major rebuilding of life on earth after the end permian mass extinction 252 million years ago and especially the carnian pueval episode 232 million years ago when climates fluctuated between wet and dry caused great perturbation to life Page research scientist Sophia Chambi Trouble commented the name of the new animal Cryptovernoids microlenius reflects the hidden nature of the beast in its roar but also in its likely lifestyle living in cracks in the limestone on small islands that existed around Bristol at the time the species name meaning small butcher refers uh, to its jaw that were filled with the sharp edge slicing teeth and it would pr- have preyed on anthropods and small vertebrates dr whiteside concluded this is a very special fossil and likely to become one of the most important found in the in the last few decades it is fortunate to be held in national collection in this case the national history museum london we would like to thank the late pamela l robinson who recovered the fossil from the quarry and did a lot of preparation work on the type specimen and associated bones it was such a pity she did did not have access to city scanning technology to help her observe all the detail of the specimen moving on to our next topic I mean I'm not into the archaeological side so I have no opinions about it so please forgive me <laughs> okay uh, moving on our, uh, towards next topic mongolian fossil is first known species of streamlined non avian theropod dinosaur to walk on two legs okay okay a team of researcher from S- seoul National University the University of Alberta and the Mongolian Academy of Sciences has identified the first known example of a streamlined non-avian theropod dinosaur to walk on two legs in the paper published in Communication Biology the group discuss, uh, describes where the fossil was found its condition and its features that were used to help identify it as a new dinosaur species the dinosaur was excavated at the Hermian Scope fossil formation in Mongolia back in 2008 as a part of the Korean Mongolian International Dinosaur Expedition since that time it has been in storage with hundreds of other fossils awaiting study of uh, study by experts in the study of the fossil the researcher found it will be well preserved and nearly complete it had most of its two hinder limbs one of its four limbs most of its curls and most of its spinal column it also had a mouthful of teeth the researcher noted that the skeleton was similar in shape to many modern water birds sleek and trim suggesting it lived on or near the water and survived by fishing offshore the researcher also noted that its ribs pointed towards its tail another common feature of water birds but it was not avian there was no sign of wings the researcher also noted that the overall shape of the skeleton suggested very strongly that it did not use its forelimbs for walking likely giving it a penguin like gait the finding suggests the dinosaur be, uh, belonged to the theropod family and had not been identified before thus it represented a newly discovered species they named it natovenator polydontus which roughly translate to hunter that swims and has a lot of teeth they suggest it also most closely resembled hells creptor another known avian dinosaur that also lived in what is now mongolia <laughs> of course 
The dinosaur was found in a rock formation dating from the upper Cre Cretaceous, which places it roughly 100 million to 66 million years ago. The researchers said that it was ad adapted to semi-aquatic lifestyle that was similar to modern uh, water birds, though its large number of trees suggest it had a more varied diet. Of course. Right. Moving on to our next topic. Study indicates SARS-CoV-2 variants are still transmissible between species. Scientists believe bats first transmitted SARS-CoV-2 to humans in December 2019 and while the virus has since evolved into several variants such as Delta and Omicron, a new study indicates the virus is still highly transmissible between mammals. Researcher at Roster Institute of Technology RIT developed computer simulation that showed the coronaviruses use their spike protein to attack to attach themselves to the host cells in both bats and humans in much of the same way. The findings were published in a Royal Society Open Science study by recent ARIT alumnus Madhu Sudan Rajendran, 22 MS Bioinformatics, and Associate Professor Grigori Babbitt from the Thomas H. Gonchnell School of Life Sciences. They studied how the viral spike proteins in several SARS-CoV-2 variants interact with the host cell receptor known as ECE2 in both humans and various bats of genus Rhinophilophus. Babbitt said the results were surprising. We were hoping to see really cool adap adaptive evolution happening as the virus got more used to humans and less used to bats, but we actually saw that there wasn't a whole lot of change, said Babbitt. Because this binding site has not evolved very much, they are really not much stopping it from transmitting from human to bats. If you look at the phylogenetic relationships of bats to humans, we are pretty far apart on the mammalian tree, so it suggested that there would be pretty widespread cross-species ineffectivity and the literature has shown there been a lot of evidence of that. The scientists use a computer simulation method called molecular dynamics to put proteins in a solvated simulation and then watch them woo. The approach uses high-performance computing on graphic processors to show what every atom does over time. Babbitt said this approach scientists to study questions that cannot be answered in a traditional laboratory. It would uh, be dangerous to do experiments where we re-infected bats with human viral strains, so our complete-based simulation offered a much safer alternative, said Babbitt. Okay, okay, of course. Moving on to our next topic. Going back to basics yields a printable transparent plastic that's highly conductive. It was a simple idea, maybe even too simple to work. Research scientist James Ponder and a team of Georgia Tech chemist and engineer thought they could design a transparent polymer film that would conduct electricity as effectively as other commonly used material while also being flexible and easy to use at an industrial scale. They did do it by simply removing the non-conductive material from their conductive element. Sounds logical, right? The resulting process could yield new kinds of flexible transparent electronic devices Things like variable, variable bio, uh, biosensor, organic photovoltaic cells, and virtual or augmented reality displays and glasses. We had this initial idea that we have a conductive element that we are covering with a non-conductive 
material so what if we just get rid of that said pondered who earned a phd in chemistry at georgia tech and returned as a research scientist in mechanical engineering it's a simple idea and there were so many points where it could have failed for different reasons but it does work and it works better than we expected to make a plastic film that can carry an electric charge chemists start with a known polymer backbone in this case a, poly, a popular polymer called pdot that's uh, that's used in industry in certain formulations it's great for conducting electricity but different to use in its bare form because it's insoluble however when side chains are added to the pdot it can be dissolved and used like a printable ink or a spray paint that makes it easy to use and apply unfortunately those side chains are essentially waxy material and wax isn't so great at electrical conductivity if you think about electrical conductivity imagine a copper wire it's nice and conductive then you cover it with wax and it's not as conductive you have a barrier ponder said the idea was we really want both we want the side chain for processing but we don't want them in our final material so we add side chain that once we are done with the processing we can knock off and wash away in other words ponder and his collaborator create the polymer with side chain print or spray it to apply chemically sleeve the side chain and wash them away with common industrial solvents after a financial conversion step the results is a flexible highly conductive film that's stable and now impervious to water or other solvents the research team spanned mechanical engineering chemistry and biochemistry and material science and engineering they have published their work in a pair of studies this year in two chemistry journal first describing the idea and proving it could work in the journal of the american chemical society and in recent weeks optimizing the design for maximum conductivity in a study in angiovendit chemiki this idea that we have come up with a way to make a polymer that has a conductivity of foam of more than 1000 siemens per centimeter that is able to be produced using simple industrial printing method and solvents that the industrial people like and that on top of conductivity have this optical transparency is just so expensive to me said john Reynolds, professor in the School of Chemistry and Biochemistry, and one of the co-authors of the two papers, I just get very excited about it. Reynolds was Ponder's PhD advisor when Ponder's come back to Georgia Tech after a postdoctoral fellowship. He joined associate professor Shannon Yi Labs in the George V W Woodrum. would roof school of mechanical engineering because of those connections ponder become the bridge that cemented the collaboration the team developed the molecule through chemistry they measured their effectiveness with engineering james basically put his feet in both camps and served as the conduit between the groups said renault who also is who also is jointly appointed in the school of material science and engineering this multidisciplinary approach to research is the reason i made the move to georgia tech 11 years ago i was excited about the ability to easily cross between the college of sciences and the college of engineering having collaborations such as these with shannon are really important and this is what makes georgia tech tick The team already is attracting attention for their material which they call PDOT OH they have a patent application process and are meeting with industry collaborators interested in licensing the technology because of a few 
key advantages of the films. One of the most widely used transparent conductors for flat panel displays, photovoltaics, smart windows and other applications is indium tin oxide. However, the material has some drawbacks, Renault said. It is quite difficult to make curved and flexible devices using indium tin oxide because it's a brittle material that cracks, he said. These polymers we have designed are mechanically flexible. There's an entire area called bioelectronics where people are putting electronic devices onto skin and into implantable devices where mechanical flexibility is very important. That's where these kinds of material will shine. Another advantage, indium tin oxide must be used in thin films to balance how it's prepared with maximum conductivity and transparency. The Georgia Tech team's material, on the other hand, can be easily processed to thick films that maintain their conductivity. One real benefit here is that you have a lot of control over how you process the material, said Ponder, who now works for the US Air Force Research Laboratory. Industrially, the biggest benefit to this in my mind is that if you want a 20 nanometer film, you can do that. Or if you want one micron film, which is 500 times thicker, you can do that too. You really have a lot more control. Ponder said other researchers have exper experimented with breaking off their side chain of polymer to boost conductivity, but their work usually only removed a few of the chain. Plus, that process wasn't the main thrust of their research. It's recombining the right type of polymer backbone with the right type of breakable linkage for the right application, high electrical conductivity. In this case, Ponder said, for the most part, other researchers haven't been doing this. They didn't leave off enough chain and use a well-designed backbone. Renault said, the simplicity of the team polymer was key. Being able to make a very simple, straightforward backbone to this polymer is what really has led to the high level of conductivity. <sighs> great man, great, great, great. Moving on to our next topic. I mean, it's a great finding. Okay. James Webb Telescope produces an unparalleled view of the ghostly light in galaxy clusters. Okay, and cluster of galaxy, there is a fraction of stars which wander off into intergalactic space because they are pulled out by huge tidal forces generated between the galaxies in the cluster. The light emitted by these stars is called the intracluster light (ICL) and it and is extremely faint. Its brightness is less than 1% of the brightness of the darkest sky we can observe from Earth. This is one reason why images taken from space are very valuable for analyzing it. Infrared wavelength allows us to explore clusters of galaxies in a different way than with visible light thanks to its efficiency at infrared wavelengths and the sharpness of the images of the GWST IAC researchers Maria Montes and Ignacio Trujillo have been able to explore the intracluster light from SMAG's GJ07237327 with an unprecedented level of detail. In fact, the images from the JWST of the center of this cluster are twice as deep as the previous images obtained by the Hubble Space Telescope. In this study, we showed that great potential of J uh, JWST for observing an object which is uh, so faint, explains Media Montes, the first author of the article. This will let us study galaxy clusters which are which are much further away and in much greater detail, she adds. In order to analyze this extremely faint ghostly light, as well as needing the 
observational capability of the new space telescope, the researchers have developed new analysis techniques which improve on existing methods. In this work, we needed to do some extra processing to the JWST images to be able to study the intra-cluster light as it is a faint and extended structure that was Kita world biases in our measurements, says media. Thanks to the data obtained, the researchers have been able to demonstrate the potential of the intracluster light for studying and, and understanding the processes which go into the formation of structure as massive as cluster of galaxies. Analyzing this diffuse light, we find that the inner parts of the cluster are being formed by merger of massive galaxies while the outer parts are due to the accretion of galaxies similar to our Milky Way, she notes. But these observations not only offers clues about the formation of galaxy clusters but also about the properties of a mysterious component of our universe, dark matter. The stars which emit the intra-cluster light follow the gravitational field of the cluster which makes this light an excellent tracer of the distribution of the dark matter in these structures. The, the JWST will let us characterize the distribution of the dark matter in this enormous structure with unprecedented precision and throw light on its basic nature, concludes Agnio Trigila. The second author of the article, the paper is published in the Astrophysical Journal Letters. Moving on to our next topic, DeepMind new AI plays Stratego at expert level. Okay, let's see. A team of researchers at DeepMind Technology Limited has created an AI application called Deep Nash that is able to play the game Stratego at an expert level. In the paper published in the journal Science, the group described the unique approach they took to improve the app's play level of play. Stratego is a two-player board game and is, and is considered to be difficult to master. The goal for each player is to capture their opponent's flag, which is hidden among the initial 40 game pieces. Each of the game pieces is marked with a power ranking. High ranked players defeat lower ranked players in face off. Making the game more difficult is that neither player can see the markings on the opponent's game pieces until they meet face to face. Prior research has shown that the complexity of the game is higher than that of chess or go. With 10 to power 535 possible game scenarios, this level of complexity makes it extremely challenging for computer experts attempting to create Stratego playing AI systems. In this new effort, the researcher took a different approach, creating an app capable of beating most human and other AI systems. As, other, as with other AI system design, Deep Nash first learned to play Stratego by playing itself many times in this case 5.5 million billion times equivalent to hundreds of years of playing time for a human after it learned how to play the researcher did not have it attempt to learn strategies from mastered human players or even to play against other opponents in general instead the researcher devised an algorithm that worked toward an optimal strategy for each move rather than perfection the algorithm was based on game theory. An optimal strategy would give Deep Nash a 50-50 chance of success at a minimum on any given mode far better than humans could hope to achieve. Testing showed that the team had found a way to improve the odds for of an AI app playing Stratego. It achieved an 84% winning record while playing 50 times and on an online gaming platform and in so doing be become one of the top three players on the site and the human opponents were never told they were playing against a computer okay okay 
आई मीन इट्स अ ग्रेट इनिशिएटिव एंड ऑफकोर्स इफ इट्स डन सो इट्स बींग आई मीन इट्स बीन अ ग्रेट गेम फॉर मैनी ऑफ आर प्लेयर्स आउट देयर एंड ऑफकोर्स द पॉसिबिलिटी इज बींग वेरी फास्ट एंड वेराइटीज ऑफ थिंग सो I guess it's more likely a more likely a game of aristocracy so yeah great man I mean we should try uh, these things otherwise it's been very yep moving on to our next topic making science more accessible to people with disabilities the pandemic promoted workplace changes that proved beneficial to people with disabilities in science technology engineering math and medicine stem but there's fear that these accommodations will be rolled back with international day of person with disabilities taking place on december 3rd a research team including faculty at binghamton university state university of new york is calling for ways to work to make work in stem more accessible we are increasingly hearing but hearing about how nice uh, it is it is to all be together again as well as calls to put the pandemic behind us and increasingly strident demand for pre-pandemic normal said Binghamton University associate professor of anthropology Catherine Bender we are worried that lessons learned during the pandemic will be lost Bender along with University of New Mexico associate professor of anthropology Sio Ban Madison and others outlined the situation and the framework for potential solutions the paper draws in on insights from disability studies and interdisciplinary field of research that explored uh, the way uh, that disability are created by social processes as well as biological ones many people within stem are unaware of disability studies insights and can fail to see their social dimension the author said the dynamics of exclusion on the basis of disability also overlap with other exclusionary dynamics such as those based on sex gender sexual orientation race ethnicity or socioeconomic status while each type of exclusion has element in common they also have their own unique dimensions the author acknowledge vendor points to the communities among experience of exclusion to consider how they might much best be mitigated working from home for example not only uh, benefits some people with disabilities but also people from minority racial or ethnic groups some of whom found that remote work elevated much of their bias their experience in the workplace that being said not everyone finds remote work accessible as it depends on recent internet access among other factors in short there is no single simple solution that will increase inclusion for any one group instead the author advocate an approach based on three pillars flexibility accommodation and modification fam proving more flexibility in the workplace will expand the contributions of people with disabilities and others who face various constraints such as the need to provide care for family members when broad flexibility isn't possible or enough accommodations should be available to help people achieve their role core functions modification of work duty can also help stem retain the insight and efforts of people whose disability sometimes or persistently impede their ability to work in positions that are not designed for them adopting fam strategies however involves changing long standing practices and could involve same some financial cost to 
institutions. However, the benefits of science uh, students and patients are likely to be substantial, the author says. Ultimately, the FAM approach can benefit everyone. While someone may not be considered disabled today, injuries, illness, and aging may change their circumstances in the future. The phenomenon of long COVID, the author points out, reminds us that no one is more than one illness away from lasting disability. Inclusion is a proactive responsibility. If we are going to state that everyone deserves a seat at the table, then we have to make sure that places are set for everyone. Madison said, Co-authors, in addition to Madison and Wonder, include Logan Ginn of Brown University, Stratton Center for Teaching and Learning, Alistair Abraham of George Washington University Department of Pediatrics, Megan Mordi of Anthropology Department at the University of California, Santa Cruz, and Farnami Okalmi of the University of Michigan, uh, Family Medicine, Physical Medicine, and Rehabilitation Program. The paper community voices broadening participation in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and medicine among persons with disabilities were published in Nature Communications. An easy way for dairy farmers to reduce their climate impact. Adding even a small amount of biochar or charcoal-like material produced by burning organic matter to a dairy manure Composting process reduces methane emission by 84%. A recent study by UC Mercer researchers shows the dairy industry is one of the most source of methane in California, making up 50% of the state's methane emissions. Reducing this emission is a critical part of state and federal efforts to address climate change. This is a wonderful example of an untapped climate solution said life and environmental science professor Rebecca Reels biochar reduces pollutant emissions from open burning of biomass and methane emission from decaying biomass through the dairy of the researcher worked on use and and aerobic digesters to handle the waste from its livestock it is not typical for dairies to have that technology. The plan is for most dairies to have digesters by 2030 to meet climate goals. But at the moment, only a small fraction actual actually have them. Dairy manure is one of the largest source of organic waste in the state. Farmers flush the waste uh, from their barns and the liquids go into large uncovered ponds while the solids are piled up, explained fourth-year graduate student Brandon Harrison, who is studying agroecology under rails. Sometimes farmers cover the pond to capture methane gases, which are fed into generator and burned to produce electricity. It's actually a pretty good way to reduce methane emissions, given the technology that are currently available. Harrison said, but what it's leave out are all the solids, which is a problem ba because basically they either spread it in adjacent fields just uh, to get rid of it or they store it in big mounds. You can see them when you go past a dairy covered with white plastic held down with tires. They can build up so much heat they spontaneously catch fire. The study looked at composting the manure with biochar instead of stockpiling it. Biochar also improves the composted manure so that it makes a better fertilizer for farmers to use and on other parts of their land, said mechanical engineering professor Grabrido Diaz. 
we were looking at how to reduce emission but also how to provide some benefit to the com- uh, community especially underserved community diocese we looked at the possibility of developing a mobile unit that we could take to different site to process some of the material there the study suggested small farmers would be able to use the improved fertilizer on their own farm to increase yield or sell it to others who need it the research team led by dias worked with philip verview dairy as well as industrial partners such as golden state carbon llc and used local biomass there's pressing need to be uh, need to do something with the biomass op- because open air burning is being banned starting in 2020 uh, 2025 they have said the process of creating biochar involves close burning the researchers include dias reels and professor temrent geski asmerent sfu bury yang quan chen and katherine keski looked at the project from different angles including emissions a life cycle analysis the economic viability of such work and how it affected the soil biochar which was used by indigenous people in their own farming practices tends to remain in their soil much longer than other types of compounds but that lifespan depends on how the biochar is acted upon by the soil ecosystem including the many different microbes that live there that ecosystem determines how long any carbon remains in the soil reels explained the ultimate result of this study is that biochar benefit dairy farmers and the climate and dials said for the said further studies will look at different types of biochar co composted with dairy manure to f- motivate farmers to adopt this technology composting this the solid manure isn't the common practice but if we go from stockpiling to composting now we have gone from a carbon source to a carbon sink rail said composting in and of itself it's a very climate beneficial practice and you can basically double your impact by adding a little bit of biochar into the compost the work is published in the journal environmental science and technology okay <coughs> as chatbot sophistication grows air debate intensifies okay California startup OpenAI has released chatbot capable of answering a variety of questions but its impressive performance has reopened the debate on the risk linked to artificial intelligence AI technology <coughs> The conversations with ChatGPT posted on Twitter by fascinated users show a kind of omniscient machine capable of explaining scientific concepts and writing scenes for a play university dissertations or even functional lines of computer code its answer to the question what to do if someone has a heart attack was incredibly clear and relevant claudie d lopi head of syllables a french company specialized in automatic test generation told AFP when you start asking very specific question chat gbt's response can be off the mark but its overall performance remains really impressive with a high linguistic level he said open ai confounded in uh, 2015 in san francisco by billionaire tech mogul elon musk who left the, who left the business in 2018 received 1 billion dollars from microsoft in 2019 okay the startup is best known for its automated creation software gpt3 for text generation and dell e for image generation chat gpt is able to ask its interlocutor for details has few strange responses that gpt3 
which in spite of its prose sometimes spits out absurd results said d lopi cicero a few years ago chatbots had the vocabulary of a dictionary and the memory of a goldfish said cian mac grecord a researcher who runs a database of air related incidents chatbots are getting much better at the history problem where they act in a manner consistent with the history of queries and responses the chatbots have graduated from goldfish status like other programs relying on deep learning mimicking neural activity chat gpt has one major weakness it does not have access to meaning says d lopi the software cannot justify choices such as explain why it's picked the words that make up its responses here technologies able to communicate are nevertheless increasingly able to give an impression of thought researchers at facebook parent meta recently developed a computer program dubbed cicero after the roman statesman the software has proven proficient at the board game diplomacy which requires negotiation skills if it doesn't talk like a real person showing empathy building relationship and speaking knowledge knowledge ably about the game it won't find other players willing to work with it meta said in research findings in october character.ai a startup founded by former google engineers put an experimental chatbot online that can adopt any personality user create characters based on a brief description and can then chat with a fake sherlock holmes socrates or donald trump just a machine <laughs> this level of sophistication both fascinates and worries some observers who voice concern this technology could be misused to trick people by spreading false information or by creating increasingly credible scams what does chat gpt thinks of these hazards there are potential dangers in building highly sophisticated chatbots particularly if they are di- designed to be in indistinguishably from humans in their language and behavior the chatbot told afp some businesses are putting safeguards in place to avoid abuse of their technologies on its welcome page open ai lays out disclaimers saying the chatbot may occasionally generate incorrect information or produce harmful instruction or biased content and chat gpt refuses to take sides open ai make it incredibly difficult to get the model to express opinions on things mac grigor said once mac grigor asked the chatbot to write a poem about an ethical issue i'm just a machine a tool for you uh, for you to use i do not have the power to choose or to refuse i can't weigh no options i cannot judge what's right i cannot i can uh, i cannot make a decision on its fateful night i replied on saturday open ai co-founder and ceo sam altman took to the twitter musing on the debates surrounding ai interesting watching people start to debate whether people ai system should behave in the way user want or their creator intent he wrote the question of whose values we align this system to will be one of the most important debates society ever has variable sensor can help unlock the potential of exo suits in real world environments Wearing an exosuit could help a people rehab from an injury or even give them extra oomph 
if uh, they are carrying something heavy but according to university of winson medicine and harvard university researcher not everyone who dons a variable robot today can immediately reap benefits from the assistance for the first time the research team harnessed a unique variable sensor to directly measure force on the achilles tendon of people who towed a heavy backpack while wearing an exosuit the researcher performed rigorous biomechanical experiments in the lab but notably these systems are worn on the body and portable this allowed the team to conduct additional outdoor tests on a person to demonstrate real world viability the team published its results on october 19 2022 in the journal science robotics it's exciting that we were able to use a exosuit outdoors and get the direct measurement of a coil's tendon force That's a big step toward realizing the full potential of exosuit in real world settings says Dalian Skimmits a, a UW Medicine Mechanical Engineering PhD candidate and co-host author of the paper There are certain instances where having a lab constrained exosuit is still a benefit such as for working with ben- with patients in a clinical setting but if if you want to send these devices home with people or if a person wants to buy one for personal use then understanding how the exosuit performs in those ex- environments is really important the researcher finding underscored the importance of customizing an exosuit to its users so it can be more useful in real environments exosuit elicit and specific change in the behavior biomechanics for example a robotic device worn on a person's ankle can be programmed to pull adjust the right time during walking to potentially offload the calf muscles and achilles tendon so far creating the desired effect on an individual wearer has remained challenging and there hasn't been a good way to directly measure the changes in loading on muscle and tendon tissue that occur when a person uses an exosuit the uw medicine and harvard research team has solved that challenge employing a unique variable sensor called a shear wave tensiometer developed by UW Medicine Engineers and revealed in its first irritation in 2018 in Nature Communication the simple nano invasive device is easily mounted on the skin over a tendon the tensiometer enables researcher directly access tendon force by looking at how the vibrational characteristics of the tendon change when it undergoes loading as it does during movement The researcher study eight participants wore an entire portable ankle exosuit made of soft text textiles and an actuator which was developed by the Harvard researchers and the participants all healthy young young adults walked on an instrumented treadmill with varying levels of exosuit assistance while carrying a range of backpack weights During these tests the researcher measured several biomechanical parameters and also used the tensiometer to directly measure the loading of the Achilles tendon as predicted the researcher found that as they added weight to the backpack the Achilles tendon force increased however when participants wore the exosuit to help them carry the load The results weren't so predictable for some participants the exercise substantially reduced the force on their achilles tendon during walking in fact almost as if they were weren't carrying a heavy backpack but other participants saw little change in achilles tendon force counter intuitives to what the researcher expected scrimmage says these mixed result could be due in part to variability among individuals as people respond differently to externally applied
push of existence existence different people are going to reach to an exosuit in different ways so we can't assume that there is a one size fits all exosuit controller that is going to work for everyone's climate says this research highlights the importance of taking direct measurement of muscle and tendon forces to ensure that an exosuit is causing the expected biomechanical changes are tensiometer enables this in vivo measurements vivo measurements and it can be measured as a powerful tool for tuning exosuit controller to work efficiently for individual users in different environments so i mean of course it's being used in various applications at last i just want to say you guys keep researching stay curious stay healthy